nearly 8.09. So prosecutors looking into allegations of presidential office meddling in last year's Ulsan mayoral election have hit a major snag. As we've been covering, prosecutors secured an iPhone X from the deceased former Chongwede inspector who was found dead on December 1st with the expectation of finding evidence in relation to the case, but have yet to be able to unlock the device. Dr. Darren Hayes is a leading expert in the field of digital forensics and cybersecurity at Pace University, New York, and joins us to discuss how security features of iOS devices could affect forensic investigations. We're certainly not the only country to deal with this problem. Good morning to you from Seoul. Thank you for taking the time. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Well, it's a pleasure for you to join us. I just don't know even how to approach it, because, uh, frankly, I, I wouldn't know what to do if I picked up someone's phone and didn't know their password. But even the most sophisticated tech minds seem to struggle to get into iOS devices. What is it that makes them such a challenge? There's a number of different security features that do make them a challenge. Um, first of all, there there is the use of biometrics, such as uh, Face ID and Touch ID, and so that if somebody has tried to use that unsuccessfully, it will ask for that PIN number. Um, the other thing is that over the past couple of years, they've changed the four-digit uh, PIN code to a six-digit PIN code, which means that uh, the number of potential uh, combinations of PIN code increases from 10,000 to 1 million. Another security feature is that of... Um, Escalating tries, uh, there's an escalating d- delay built in, which means that for every unsuccessful pin try, um, the delay period increases till it becomes an hour, and really it would take about 100 years to try and brute force your way into one of the latest iPhones. Uh, there is another security feature, which is called USB restricted mode, and what that entails is It means that after one hour when that iPhone has not been connected to uh, a USB through the lightning port, um, it means that the user has to enter a PIN code or their password to get access to that iPhone. So there are a number of security enhancements that have been introduced recently that make it very difficult for law enforcement to gain access. But if uh, a smartphone subject to investigation happened to be running on an Android system, would it be relatively easy by comparison? It kind of depends uh, with regard to the Android system, and there is a big difference between iPhone and Android. With Apple, they have full control of the hardware and software, and so they can make encryption very, very easy, sorry, very, very difficult for law enforcement. Android, um, there are so many different makes and models um, of Android phones, and it's up to the manufacturer whether they push out updates to that device or not, and very often they don't, which means that you can rely on older vulnerabilities associated with a version of Android running on a phone. The other thing is, the type of phone and the, the version of Android makes a big difference in how you can gain access to that device. Sometimes it means that you can root the device with a particular type of software, which may be pretty easy. And in other cases, you actually have to do something called chip off, where you take the memory chip and you 
take that off the motherboard of the printed circuit board of that Android device um, to bypass security on that Android. And, and why exactly can't you take an iPhone X apart and do something similar? Because every single file on an Android is tangled with your PIN number and it's also encrypted with AES 256-bit encryption. And it's also entangled with something called a UID, which is a unique identifier for that device. So traditionally, you would be able to send your device, law enforcement would be able to send a device to Apple. They would be able to unlock that device. They would be able to put the data and the evidence from that device onto a USB, send it back to law enforcement, and they could do their examination. What Apple did was they said, we are going to put a unique identifier on that iPhone, and we are not going to know what that unique identifier is, and neither will the manufacturer know what that unique identifier is, and therefore we can no longer help law enforcement. It's kind of so scary. In, from the encryption process, yes. It, it, it's kind of scary in a completely other way because we, we, we've been talking about the, the possible future of artificial intelligence. And if you were to create machines that were encrypted in this kind of way that could basically fall completely out of anyone's control, um, it, it, it opens up all sorts of possibilities. But from a basic personal security point of view, is it important that Apple has this level of encryption? From a consumer side, you're a lot better off with an iPhone than with an Android device. You have uh, far better security. Yes, absolutely. I would much rather encounter an Android device and examine that than an iPhone. Mm. The other thing is, though, that there are still people who claim they can even break into an iPhone X. There's uh, the Israel-based company Cellbrite, for example, which is a major U.S. government contractor. And we know Korean prosecutors are reportedly using their tools so far obviously hasn't helped but uh, what, what do you make of companies that make these claims uh celebrate have been quite successful in getting into iphones but the real leader um that i've you know heard from is gray key um uh, by gray shift and basically you have this company and the company i believe was started by an engineer from apple and they have been selling a device to law enforcement only, which allows you to get into the latest iPhones. And it's become so popular and so successful that the information that you get from this gray key device um, is supported by major computer forensics uh, software that exists in the market today. So, for example, if you're using um, Blacklight from Black Bag, which is... a uh, an iPhone forensics tool. Should um, this be an area of legislation, do you think, as, as the only solution, really, to guarantee prosecutors around the world access? Uh, for example, you could draw a line with a certain level of alleged crime, uh, or you could make some other uh, loophole that means a company cannot simply just absolve itself of responsibility. Well, how, how do you think is a, a reasonable way to approach this issue? Yeah, well, in the United States, there's been two trains of thought. One has been the FBI, a former director of the FBI, said, 
well, companies should allow us to bypass encryption that they develop. And a lot of prosecutors and law enforcement have said, we're not looking for that. We just want Apple to revert to the process that they had before, whereby we could send them a phone. We don't have to know how they unlock it. We just want the the data that's been approved by a judge to retrieve from that device and get that back. So that's really, I think, what a good solution. So what's interesting is that Tim Cook, you know, has been kind of controversial, especially in the San Bernardino shooting here where law enforcement, the FBI, were trying to get into an iPhone and couldn't. Mm. Um, He actually said in an interview that if Congress were to, you know, implement some a new act which required us to get into a device, then we would comply with that. And we haven't seen legislation that would allow them to do that. But what's also interesting is that um, a lot of argument by prosecutors and law enforcement in the U.S., they state that, you know, Apple allows China access to servers and to iPhones, but why not do that for other countries? Yeah. I mean, that also seems to be a very interesting point, the the, the national or international difference, the, the fact that we could draw the line based on the alleged crime, but also how do we make sure that the system's fair to Korean investigators, to Chinese investigators, to Japanese investigators, and that's just three countries in this region. Is there a way? There is a way, but it's really through legislation, and I think that, you know, governments can be, can wield a lot of power because they can say, well, you have to give us access to this information, otherwise you can't do business in our country, and that's the Chinese model, and, you know, other countries could adopt that. In the U.S., they just have not. There's a lot of old legislation that is not caught up with digital forensics, unfortunately. Thank you so much. It's a fascinating subject, Dr. Hayes. Good to have you with us on the line. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Interesting topic. Indeed. Dr. Darren Hayes, Pace University in New York. And I suppose the question all of us need to ask ourselves, 